Hey, my name is Augustine Colebrook. I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. My focus is on big picture political movements that are happening within the profession, some of the controversial questions, and centering voices that are not being regularly heard. I'm Layla Wyatt. I am a traveling student midwife, learning midwifery from cultures and a lineage of midwifery throughout the United States. I'm here to center the voices of students to hear their calling, their pathway, why they chose midwifery, and even share a bunch of birth stories along the way. Greetings, I'm Jamara Amani. I am a midwife, a mom, and a social justice activist. I am here to challenge white supremacy, homophobia, transphobia, and anything that keeps people from being their best and living their best selves as we have the human right to do. And I am looking forward to sharing stories of birth justice on this podcast. Hi there, Delmar Dalton. I am non-binary, queer, transgender, midwife, and full-spectrum female. My focus is on increasing access and equity in midwifery care and midwifery education. Hello, my name is Angie Love. I am a community nurse midwife in Vero Beach, Florida, at the practice of midwife love. I also do telehealth midwifery through Midwife RX. I'm a mama, and I am committed to maintaining birth choices for all people and educating a future generation of midwives because we will not die out. Welcome everyone to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. I am Angie Love, nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, practicing here in Vero Beach, Florida, also doing telehealth in Florida and Utah. My Vero Beach practice is called Midwife Love, um, and my telehealth practice is called Midwife RX. It is providing um, midwifery wisdom and prescriptions in Florida, Colorado, Texas, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, and Hawaii. Um, and I did want to say that we're here in Vero Beach. It's occupied land. It was formerly um, occupied by the IES indigenous people. I'm a cis white woman and my pronouns are she, hers. And I'm talking today with Johnny May. If you want to introduce yourself, Johnny. Hi, good morning, everyone. I am Johnny May Perry and I'm the CEO of the Gifford Historical Museum and Cultural Center here in Gifford, Florida which is uh, located inside of Vero Beach. Nice. And Johnny, I met you a couple years back at, uh, at the UUFVB, our church we go to. Yes. yes. Um, I think we were both going to some Black Lives Matter meetings for a little while. Yes. yes. And then I've recently bumped into you again at the Faces of Eve event at Raw Space downtown. Yes. which was trying to highlight women um, in the community and women storytellers. Um, so at that meeting, I learned that your great-grandmother was a midwife. Yes. Yes. And I was so excited to hear that. So um, let's see here. Your grandmother's full name. What was it? Sally Louise Richardson Pickens. Okay. And she went by Louise? She did. Okay. Do you know um, when she was born or when she died? She was born um, in 1868. Okay. And she died in 1972. Oh, she had a nice long life. 
She did. Okay, she did. wonderful. I and knew her as a uh, elder, um, but you know she she had a very long life. And when she relocated and brought her family to Florida, it was in the early 1940s. So Grandma was in her 60s then. <laughs> okay. And how many children do you know that she had? Um, she had, I want to say seven. Okay. My grandfather, um, was one of her children and his oldest, her oldest child was 24 years older than him. Oh, wow. Okay. So a broad yeah. range. Okay. Yes. And that was your mother's father or your father's father? My mother's father, Elsie Richardson. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. And do you know anything about how she got started um, in midwifery? You know, I don't, but I suspect, and, and, and this is just my thought, you know, and um, from what I've learned about the family, her mother um, had been born into slavery. Her mother and father, who was Jane uh, Pickens, and um, Alan Pickens, her father. And back then, you know, I don't think they had hospitals necessarily that blights could uh, go to. So that would be the natural thing to do to have um, another uh, mother in the community, you know, help bring the child uh, into the world. So I think it was just a natural process that happened in her life. I know that, um, uh, they believe in, in a lot of natural healing in regard to herbs and, and things of nature. So I think it was just a natural process that happened. Okay. And you said she originally was from Georgia? She was. They were from uh, Cordia, Georgia. Okay. Yes. Um, and so had you heard anything about if she just started attending births? Did she apprentice with anyone else or... No, I never heard that she apprenticed with anyone else. Now, did someone uh, apprentice under her? That's a good question. You know, I, not to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, I do know that uh, the family uh, was self-sufficient in the sense that um, as she had children and her brother had his family, um, you know, they would have their own businesses. I'm told that that was something that was very common among them, so... Okay. Um, so entrepreneurs. I, yes. Yes. And, and that seemed to be something that was so natural, you know, that I always witnessed in my family. Um, one of my dad, uh, my grandfather's uh, brothers, uh, who was the youngest child, actually, James Richardson had a restaurant, Richardson restaurant in Gifford for over 50 years until his death. And then his widower kept it going for another uh, seven or eight years. Oh, nice. Okay. So a long line of business owners. Nice. Yes. Okay. And did you hear any stories that, uh, that she told you about births or related to her midwifery? Well, the one story that, that really impacted me, you know, as a child, you don't pay attention to these things so much, but one I never forget was um, one of my grandfather's uh, sisters, uh, Lou, uh, Ella uh, Richardson Moore. Um, had only one biological child and that child my grandmother delivered that child and 
the child died died after a few months. And and actually, my my uh, aunt told us the story um, that how she lost her child, and she said it was just devastating to her, and she couldn't stop crying about the child. And she just used to say, if I could just see my baby one more time, one more time. And she said she was lying in bed with her husband this particular night and um, still distraught. And she said she just, you know, she opened her eyes and right before her hovering over her was the baby. And he was just smiling at her. And she said that's the last time she ever shed a tear about him because she knew he was okay. And um, she said that grandma told her that she knew that baby didn't come to stay when she delivered the baby. And I've heard stories about that um, from from nurses, you know, and just over the years where it might be said, not when the child is born, but the thought may be, oh, that's one of the angels. They didn't come to stay. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have heard legends like that too. I've heard that sometimes these angels they needed to come to earth to experience something and they chose the family because they knew they would get lots of love yes 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 that's beautiful okay um do you know any techniques or anything she carried in her bag did you ever hear anything about that any herbs she liked to use well not so much that uh that she carried in her bag because when I got to know her, she was, she was an elder and she wasn't, you know, really doing anything. She would just be home Mm -hmm. and everyone would rally around her and go visit her, you know, and they would have the kids uh, play outside uh, on the porch and, you know, the seniors would go in and and spend time talking to her. So I didn't know her physically and uh, she was a beautiful woman, a beautiful soul, um and and for me it was like that was just grandma but in regard to some of the uh wise tales that were passed on um I remember that (laughs) and I know sometimes now these things may sound kind of you know like oh well kind of bizarre or whatever when we had a nosebleed um they would put uh, a brown a piece of a brown paper bag under our tongue and it will stop the nosebleed, okay. <laughs> you know, so little, you know, it was things that were passed on. And I, I thought about it as a, an adult and I said, well, I guess during that time, whatever times um, these things work for them. So naturally they would share, oh, well, try do this, you know, uh, uh, try that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what did your family think about her midwifery or her being a midwife? She was uh, just, um, they honored her, was so in awe with her. You know, um, I remember um, that not only the local family, but the family that was left in, in, in Georgia, um, everyone just rallied around her. And she was the last of her siblings to, um, you know, to, to pass. She had three brothers. She was the only girl. And I, re- I recall going back and reading letters that her, her nieces had written to her from, from, from Georgia and other places. And they all just loved her, 
you know. So she was the glue that, you know what I mean, that taught our family the bond of, of, of um, love and faith and, and commitment to the family. And even to this day, um, we haven't, because of COVID in the last couple of years, um, and we were supposed to do it last year, every other year, the family come together to un honor that bloodline, the bloodline of her mother and her father, Jane and Ellen Pickens. Oh, wow. Okay. So she sounds pretty amazing. She was. <laughs> I, I'm really in awe of that. And uh, she outlived everyone, which is quite yes. amazing too. She did. And one brother actually, um, and I, we, I don't know what year he left, how, what was his age. And we have tried to go on ancestry and perhaps at some point something may turn up in his blood um, um, downline, but um, he left the family and lived as a, a white man. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You got some good stories going on in your family. Yes, I'm told there's a new movie out from a book called Pass. I think that's the name of it. And, and it's just, it's about that, how blights, you know, because of, of, you know, the road that I guess they had to travel, decided that they would just pass as someone white and, and live a different life. Yeah, I've seen that movie. And I've also read a book about uh, stories of passing, you know, and uh it was kind of bittersweet because sometimes they got more privileges, but then they also missed their family and friends, you know? So this, the movie has a sad ending, by the way. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It did not work out well for the woman who was passing. Yes. Okay. Um, so do you know, did she do any midwifery here in Florida or did she just do it back in Georgia? To my knowledge, I don't know of any here in Florida, okay. To my knowledge, um, she was in um, in her sixties, early sixties, when she relocated okay. to Florida. So I only know of her um, being um, a support system. Um, she and my aunt, her, her uh, one of her daughters, um, used to keep the, the the kids in the family. They used to babysit us. And um, so we didn't go outside of the family in regard to like daycare or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And at this time, she wasn't even living alone. She was living with um, my uncle that owned the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then my aunt Louis, Luella lived across the street. So um, she would be with her during the day. And at some point when she became older, um, like in her her 90s she um she couldn't be left alone at all while he was at the restaurant he and his wife and she just moved in with my aunt duella so that was when we got to spend time with her because um like i say um my aunt duella she was like the babysitter the daycare in the family yeah, for the young family members <laughs> she was still holding the family together yes yes, yeah, yes. that's yes. awesome and my grandmother died when she died in 1972 um, in the home uh, where she was living with my aunt. Um, they called everyone, you know, that was local. And uh, she was not removed from that home until we all get to come see her. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So do you know how many babies she um, attended? 
the, the, the tale is she um, delivered over 100 babies throughout her life. Okay. Yes. Did you ever hear about any twins breaches? You know, that's funny. I, I didn't hear about twins, but um, my mother, my grandfather remarried at the point um, here in Florida and, and um, he had twins. Okay. <laughs> yes. And um, Marilyn and Carolyn, and they are my mother's younger sisters. So um, I know they were very close to my mother, but I know she didn't deliver them, but mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and do you know if the, the state of Georgia or the town of Georgia ever tried to support her or shut her down, or she had any interaction with the, with the government back there while she was doing midwifery? I, not to my knowledge, she didn't. And from what I, I witnessed just going back and forth as a child to Georgia, I think the birth, um, you know what? I don't even know if all of them were registered or not you know, because I did hear that there could be a situation where you tried to get a birth certificate, you know, from the state and, and you, you had to prove a, a lot of it by writing the birth down in the, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was accepted to prove the birth. Yeah. Back then. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how would you say that her being a midwife her midwifery legacy, her being involved in so many families, how would you say that affected your family? Um, that's a good question. I just recall, and, and, and she was a woman of, um, of love. So I think that bringing life, you know, into the world and, and at some point, um, you know, you don't know uh, whether the babies always survived, but, but I think that she, um, that was part of, of her legacy in regard to her own and, and uh, being respectful in, in life itself. And, and she had, um, like I say, about seven kids of her own that, um, that she brought into the world over a span of years. <laughs> Yeah, so that's so, nice. It was actually on the average of a, of a period of 28 to 30 years. Okay. Between her, the children, yeah. From the oldest to the youngest. And is your um, grandfather still alive? He's not. He, he passed at the age of 95 in 2005. You have some long lives in your family. Yes, matter of fact, um, her mother... Oh, that was Aunt Vidalia, her, her oldest daughter. Um, they all lived to be uh, in their 90s for the most part. And I hear that Grandma Jane, um, the stories where she passed, you know, when she was almost close to 100. She was much younger than my great-grandfather, uh, great-great-grandfather uh, great Allen. And um, she outlived him by like 25, 26 years. Okay. From his death. Yeah, but she was much, and that happened a lot, you know, I think during slavery and, and you know, in the early days. Mm -hmm. So, but when I calculate grandma's age, the funny thing is she had, and she was married. My grandfather, uh, he passed at a young age, um, but um, she was like 18 when she had her first child, the first child that, that we know of that lived. Mm 
you know, because you mm-hmm. don't know if there were some before then. Yeah. Okay. Is your and, go ahead? I was gonna say in in talking about um just delivering babies to a midwife. Um, I, my husband is the youngest of um, 14, which 12 lived. Okay. And, but uh, two of the babies were actually born. And, and I learned this not only through his conversation, but more so his elder brother, uh, Scott Perry wrote a book. And it was just fascinating because you felt like you was, you know, on the scene watching this play out. But um, my husband's mother was in her uh, mid-40s when he was born. And up until, I want to say, the last three kids, uh, last four, she delivered all her babies herself. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories is um, when Scott Perry, he was the third oldest, um, the mother and father took them to be with his their grandparents, but they didn't know why. They just thought they were going for a casual visit. And in two days when they went back home, there was the baby there. <laughs> so she would she would have her children at home. No. And another story is um, I had a friend and she's made her transition now also. Um, we, her name was Ia. And Ia had um, nine children. The, the, uh, the first seven I, I knew very well. And um, this eighth, the eighth baby, I was on the phone with her while the baby was being born. She, she did not believe in going to the hospital or anything. She delivered her children and just had a natural childbirth. And she did work with a midwife at, at some point, but um, that was very interesting. And, and it seemed something like it was so easy to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the first one's the hardest. And after that, they get a little easier, a little easier. <laughs> I've been here in Vero since late 2009. And I mm-hmm. uh, started my home birth practice in 2010. Um, and I've been here, I guess that's 12 years. This home birth practice has been going on. Wow. Um, what inspired you to do it, to get involved in that respect? Well, I started off as an L&D nurse in a hospital in Miami, mm-hmm. and the conditions down there were very sad, a lot of disrespect towards women, mm-hmm. a lot of what we call obstetric violence, coercion, women not, their rights not being respected. Yes. Um, and I felt guilty being a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I decided I needed to become a midwife. Um, so at least I would remove myself beside doctors who were lying to people. And so I went to university of Miami. I got my master's. So I'm a nurse practitioner and a midwife. Yes. And, um, I didn't know really that much about anything out of the hospital. I was just thinking I was going to be a midwife in the hospital. And Mm -hmm. during that schooling, I went to my first out of hospital birth or what's now called community birth. And I loved it. And it was so great just to see women having freedom, walking around, eating and drinking, being with their whole families if they wanted, getting in and out of showers, in and out of tubs, birthing in whatever position they wanted, you know, just a new, a new level of freedom that I hadn't seen in the hospital, a new level of respect and care for women. 
And so once I graduated, I said, I just, I don't even want to be in the hospital. I want to be out of the hospital. And so I've been out of the hospital. I've been a midwife now for 18 years. Wow. So I I would think that an experience like that would bring a whole level of um, something different to the child itself being born in such a, you know, environment as such without, um, you know, in a hospital with the doctors, but with the mother having more freedom, because I do believe that that translates to the baby. It definitely does. I feel like the baby's not separated as much from the mom, mm-hmm. you know, that first hour after birth, which is really important for bonding. Mm-hmm. We, I, we wait to weigh the baby. We don't need to weigh the baby right now. We don't need to measure the baby. The baby needs to be in the mom's arms if she wants Mm-hmm. you know, and they need to be gazing at each other and loving on each other. Yes. And that improves bonding for them, for the dad. And um, I think it also changes the mother in a bit because instead of the hospital where they try to deliver the baby, mm-hmm. like they're saving the woman, mm-hmm. um, we don't talk like that at home birth. And it's the woman who's birthing. She is in her power I am there to help out. I'm there to assist. I'm there to help monitor to make sure things are going well, but it is the woman birthing. I am not delivering anyone. You know, I might help catch a baby if she wants me to, or I can help the dad catch the baby. Yeah. Um, So I think it, it builds more confident mothers and parents, you know, if they're respected in birth, you know, if we keep the power with the, with the birthing person, instead of, you know, putting the doctor on the pedestal. Right. So do you have um, an outlet to um, to educate young young mothers to be about, you know, uh, having a midwife with their delivery? I do educate my clients that come to me. I spend hour long prenatal visits. So mm-hmm. we, I do do a lot of education that way. I have not done a ton of education out in the community. Um, I did speak one year, I was asked to come speak to the high school to their um, allied health class, which are people considering being nurses, and they're getting their CNA stuff in high school. But even then, I had to be very careful about what you can talk about with all the sex ed rules here in Florida. Um, (laughs) But we did we did talk about birth options and that kind of thing. So I think it, you know, it starts young with just hearing about people um, birthing in in at home or in birth centers. Um, When I was very busy here before I had both my kids and I didn't have good boundaries, um, (laughs) I was doing a lot of births and actually raised the home birth rate in this county to three percent wow which was the highest rate of home birth in the whole state at that time Mm. yeah i've since realized i need a better work-life balance so i don't think we're still at that rate but um yeah there's a lot of people in this county that birth at home that's great yeah it's great it's nice to know that, you know, at least you have the option and it's nice for um, young mothers to be to know that they have that option, you know, and I surely will um, will begin to, you know, advocate and share, you know, that those possibilities are there. Yeah. Have you heard about the work that Healthy Start in this community is doing training doulas? You know, it's funny. I just heard that word um, a few days ago. Um, I'm on the uh, advisory committee for the Gifford Health Center. Mm-hmm. And in their report, 
to this uh, advisory committee. They kept using that word. And I thought, I think I need to find out what, what that means. <laughs> yeah. So a doula is like a labor coach. It's okay. not someone that has a degree. So it's not a long training, yeah. but it's someone who's taken some training. Maybe it was a weekend class. Maybe it was a week class okay. on, on how to support women in labor. And they do a lot on education and advocating for women. So even for women who are planning hospital births, they, everyone should have a doula, no matter what kind of birth you want, because it's someone who's been to a lot of births, knows mm -hmm. what is possible, learns about what the woman wants for her birth, and then advocates for her and helps okay. her stand up to the system, you know, okay. in the hospital. Yes. So Healthy Start, you know, is a program here that um, has a lot of money in our county because we got a lot of rich donors. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of years back, Andrea Berry started a training program that anyone who wanted to come learn how to be a doula could do that. Mm -hmm. And they, she got money for it. And now they have doulas for anyone who wants one in the wow. hospital. And this program that got started here in this county is actually being used as a model in many counties in Florida now. Okay. Is there age uh, range in terms of learning? Anyone can become a doula. Yeah. So okay. some people, you know, when they have a doula, they like a sister figure, someone along their same age, but a lot of doulas are older. They've already raised their kids because the doula schedule is a little crazy <laughs> <laughs> middle of the night births. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. um, I have doulas that work with me and come to home births too. And the ones that have the most availability are ones that have already raised their kids and are kind of more like a mother figure to the woman in labor. Okay. You know? huh. So some people that are doulas, they work for Healthy Start and Healthy Start pays them their paycheck. And some doulas mm -hmm. just have their own business and they just, you know, pass out cards if they want or start a website and they do a couple births a month, however many they want to do. Um, a doula price might range from anywhere from 400 bucks to from a birth to like a thousand or more. There's a very fancy doula, doula place here in town too called The Rising. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a lot of doulaing going on in this community, which every doula that takes that training is then learning about birth options and spreading the word to their sisters and friends. We have choices, you know, we don't have to birth on yes. our backs if we don't want to. It's so. like, that's powerful. I love that. Yeah. It's powerful. And I know some, um, retired or, or, or women that might be interested in something you know like that so mm -hmm. yeah well if you want afterwards mm -hmm. i can give you um the email for andrea okay. berry and, and okay send them her way because wisdom is always appreciated you know and patience exactly those are the things we need for a doula and you know obviously empathy compassion yes yes and the person I have in mind that definitely, you know, it is, describes their character. And um, she took care of her mother and her father until their death. And um, they both died in their 90s for years, you know. And uh, she recently reached out to me and said that she wanted to, um, you know, find something new. And she's very open. So who knows? <laughs> okay, wonderful. And um, have you heard of any other midwives that were here in Vero Beach that were working out of the hospital? Any home birth midwives? 
Right, I haven't. No, not to my knowledge, I, I haven't. Okay. But I we do that- have them at Cleveland Clinic in, in Vero Beach. We do have them now. We went a couple years without them. And then okay. they were there when I first came here too. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's really great that we have them there. Um, I was just interested in knowing if there were midwives here before I came. I haven't heard of any. So you've been here a while. I figured you might know more than I do. <laughs> no, I was away for 40 years and I moved back 11 years ago. Oh, so you're right with me then. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was really nice meeting with you today, Johnny. Oh, the pleasure was all mine, Angela, and I appreciate it and have a great day. Okay, you too.